the That's Good From You podcast welcomes you into a dynamic conversation about faith and following King Jesus in a complex world. Join us as we grapple with difficult questions and learn to live in the tension. Welcome to the very first episode of That's Good From You. My name is Emma and I'm here with Sophie and together we host this podcast. Now, if you haven't already, please go listen to our short introduction podcast to learn a little bit about us. We have a bit of an episode just introducing ourselves so you guys can get to know a bit about who we are. But we thought, why not kick off this podcast, episode one, with a very, very, very controversial topic. Would Jesus get vaccinated? Now, we know this is a huge topic, something going around, and we've heard this kind of language used a little bit, but we just wanted to, you know, kick off strong. Just some context, Sophie and I, we've been housemates for the last couple of years, and this vaccination um, kind of conversation, it came up from a lounge room conversation that we were having, probably very late at night. We were just chatting, and we're like, shivers. We really need to get our, our heads around why there are so many different opinions about, you know, Christians towards the vaccines unvaccinated, vaccinated, you know, like, let's talk about this more. So I made a flippant comment about why don't I write a blog titled, (laughs) Would Jesus Get Vaccinated? And then you suggested we record a podcast about it. And so here we are. This is what we're doing. Yeah, I always said no to ever being on a podcast or recording a podcast, but you've talked me into it. Well, that's right, because you just know so much. So I'm like, the people need to hear it. Give the people what they want. Uh, They want wisdom. (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay, well, I'll try and be wise. Yeah, do that, please. And I'll just ask good questions so we can bring out the wisdom. Like we recognize that this is a really controversial topic, that so many people have so many different opinions, Christian, non-Christian, wherever you sit, like this is a really controversial thing with a lot of, um, you know, like it holds a lot of weight for a lot of people, whether it's Mm -hmm. like health issues, personal issues, family Mm -hmm. issues, like there is so much underlying um, a topic like this. So we just want to recognize that um, Mm -hmm. and we want to recognize our context as well. Like we're an SA. Um, we recognize that people here have lost jobs. We know people that have lost jobs. Um, and that's just a really tricky thing. Yeah, it's really hard. And, uh, we know around the world in a lot of places, it's been even harder. Uh, there's been huge death tolls and Mm. I mean, we've seen that a little bit in South Australia over the last few weeks, but nothing like it's, we've been seeing around the world. So we do recognize that our context shapes how we're going to be talking about this today. So Mm -hmm. if you're listening from somewhere else in Australia or around the world, um, just know that our context does very much determine our views on this. Absolutely. And like, we recognize the hurt around this as well, not just context, but yeah, how, um, painful and serious this has actually been for a lot of people. Um, So we want to hold space for that. We don't just want to dive in and just throw all these controversial ideas around to, you know, damage people all the more. We want to hold space for uh, pastoral conversations in this as well. And to recognize that, yeah, we can, we can hold space for this pain and this hurt. Mm. But we do want to have a conversation though around what is a helpful Christian response to vaccines, Mm. maybe how the Bible speaks into this topic and really importantly, what to do if people disagree with us. Seriously, because we get that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Even just starting this podcast, we're like shivers. This is going to be a thing to tackle. Yeah. What it looks like for people to disagree with us and how we how we hold that. Mm, yeah. And we want to make space for people who disagree with us. So they're the things we're going to talk about today when we're talking about would Jesus get vaccinated? Exactly. And I think the question underneath 
the question, you know, would Jesus get vaccinated? We really want to dig into what it actually looks like to interpret the Bible, what it looks like to interpret Jesus' life well when it comes to vaccinations and recognize um, or at least question, you know, how are Christians engaging in the public spaces around the vaccine? But Sophie, I want to ask, what are your initial thoughts? Like the question, would Jesus get vaccinated? Bang, hit us, go. Put me on the spot. That's right. Yeah. So I think as we talk through the content that we've got for today, it's going to become clearer and clearer that I just don't know the answer to this question. Seriously. Um, I can give you some thoughts from the Bible. I can give you some thoughts from like science and and medicine and all those sorts of things. But honestly, I have no idea um, whether Jesus would get vaccinated. And this is where all the listeners stop listening. (laughs) They're like, they have no answer. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully you'll see why I've come to that conclusion as we talk through some of the ideas that we've got. Yeah, true that. But, you know, we wanted to start this conversation around um, social media and what mm-hmm. we've been seeing online um, because this conversation between Sophie and myself in our lounge room started with us, you know, scrolling through the gram, seeing some really interesting arguments um, that Christians had just been thrown out on the topic of, you know, government-mandated vaccines. Um, the classic Christian thing to do, ain't it? Just throw out a Bible verse in a comment section, no context whatsoever. It's like, bang, here we go. This is all of my defense straight up. So we wanted to talk about Christians engaging on the internet regarding yeah. the vaccine. So there seems to be this um, age old saying that comes true, particularly in social media comments. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. Like we just want to <laughs> settle the argument. And so we're just going to throw a Bible verse into the comment section of Whoa. social media. It's n- not a great way to go about things. And the problem with that is that the Bible is really complex mm. and it was written into a particular time and place to a particular group of people. Yes. And so I wholeheartedly believe that the Bible speaks to us today, but in a heaps more complex way than simply throwing a single mm. Bible verse into a comment section. Mm. So we need to be more considered and have a more nuanced approach to the Bible. Yeah, for sure. And that's it. Like, I think the first passage that we saw used to simply settle an argument was Titus 3 verse 1. And so um, I'll read it out for you guys. It says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and to be ready to do whatever is good. Just simply thrown out, Titus 3.1, no idea, Titus, context, nothing, just straight out, we just need to be subject to rules and authorities. That's, That's right. just it. Titus says it, I believe it, that settles it. We just have to That's submit right. to authorities no matter what. Bang, straight up. Okay. That's it. Right, no worries. End of podcast. Yeah, end conversation. The problem is the Bible is complex. Mm. It was spoken to a particular time and a particular place. And so there's actually a number of things that we want to do when we come across mm. a Bible verse like this. Now, we don't have time to talk about all of them in this podcast, but here are a few key things we need to consider. Hit us, Sophie, Gary. <laughs> the first thing is is looking at literary context. What that means is that this verse is uh, part of a much larger section of writing. Mm. So my first, I guess, encouragement to you is never read a single Bible verse in isolation. Don't do it. This comes from a letter. Titus is a letter. Now, if you were to receive a letter, would you just read one single line out of that letter out of context? Look, I hate reading, so potentially, but no, not the point. (laughs) Not the point. You would never read a sentence out of context of a letter or an email. Mm. You want to read the whole thing. And so with Titus, we want to read the whole thing. Mm. Paul is writing to Titus to instruct him and the Christians in Crete how to be a good Christian witness or how to be a light to the people in their city who don't know Jesus. Mm. And he says one of the ways that we can be a light to the people around us is to submit to the government. 
One book I was reading on this went so far as to say, obedience is a more effective witness than rebellion. Oh, yeah. Pretty full on. Um, and we would, (laughs) we would want to do some thinking and some wrestling with that. We don't just want to take a a nice statement like obedience is more effective, a more effective witness than rebellion at face value. Mm. And there are are other things that we want to consider. So another thing we might want to consider is the social and historical context. So basically asking the question, what did the world look like Mm. back then? And Mm -hmm. how is it different to today? So we could take Titus 3 at face value and say, we need to submit to the government. But actually we want to ask the question, well, what was first century Roman government like? And how is it different to 21st century Australian government? They're oh, some, pretty much the same, aren't they, Sophie? <laughs> there are some huge differences. Like, again, don't have time to get into it all, but just thinking about it, like you were under the Roman government because they conquered your people. Right. So it was by conquering right. the nations. It was violent. Getting spicy. Yeah. Keep going. Um, you had Caesar at the top who was like a dictator and then there was this multi-level government that he kind of did his bidding. And if you went up against them, if you uh, committed mm. treason, you would be crucified. Seriously. Yeah. Not a good way to die. Yeah. Now, some people might say that we are in a dictatorship and I would lightly and politely suggest <laughs> that we are misreading all of probably human history if we think Australia the Australian government is a dictatorship but that's an that's an aside we have the right to vote mm. and so things might not always go our way because we might be in the minority and people might have voted the government in in the majority but we are not being governed through conquering, through a dictatorship in the same way. And so we actually don't want to impose our ideas of government back on what it was like in the Roman Empire. And we also don't want to assume that this passage can speak directly into our situation without first understanding the context. Yeah. Yeah. So they're the two key things, literary context and the social and historical context. The third thing we want to ask is, what else does the Bible say on this topic? Mm. Like this verse is just one in a much larger collection that speaks really complexly about how God's people should live and interact with rulers and authorities. So we want to think, what does the rest of the Bible say on this topic? And that's right. Like you've got to see the Bible as the big story of God. This is like Old Testament important leading into um, the story of Jesus, where he Mm. comes. But like, you know, everything is woven in together. It's like one big masterpiece. And so what does it look like for us to engage with New Testament, Old Testament scriptures as one big story. Yeah, it's good. And so leading into, you know, the life of Jesus, I want to ask you, Sophie, how did Jesus interact with the government? You know, if this is one big story, if we're called to submit to the government, Old Testament, New Testament, uh, which we'll get into with some examples a bit later, what did it look like for Jesus to interact with the government? Yeah, asking the question about Jesus is a really interesting one because Jesus really didn't have a lot to do with the government of his day. So the world superpower or the ruling authority in Jesus' day is the Roman Empire. And there aren't actually many recorded stories of Jesus interacting with Rome. It's actually the Jewish religious leaders, like his own people, Mm. not the Roman government that Mm -hmm. Jesus goes up against. Uh, And so it's really interesting to watch Jesus tell the people that he's most closely like that they've got it wrong. And so that's not Mm. necessarily what we're talking about here when we're talking about government mandates for vaccines. But there are really just two key stories where Jesus interacts with Rome or the Roman Empire. And the two examples, the best examples we've got, uh, one is from Mark 12, where Jesus is asked, uh, should we pay taxes? Mm. And he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is is God's. God's. 
And then we get this other passage in Matthew 5, uh, 41. And now Matthew 5 is part of the Beatitudes. And a really good way to think about Matthew 5 is Jesus' kingdom manifesto. Mm. Jesus is basically establishing in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom. This is what it looks like to be kingdom people. Yep. And he says, if a Roman soldier comes up to you and says, walk a mile, walk a second mile, mm. like go above and beyond, do double. And in Jesus' context, a Roman soldier could legitimately yeah, come seriously. to you and say, walk a mile. And Jesus is saying, go do an that, extra mile. Go more. Yeah, so weird. Yeah. What do we do with these passages seriously. where Jesus seems to be saying, uh, uh, like do what the Roman centurions or the Roman soldiers say, go with it, and then also pay taxes to Caesar, like give to the Roman government. What, mm. like, what do we do with that? This raises another question. What happens when the government is actually asking Christians to do something that fundamentally goes against our faith? How do we hold that tension mm. of either submitting to the government when we disagree or mm. when it goes against our faith? Mm. Um, and we've seen some examples used on socials which have been <laughs> super interesting. And we're just going to like quickly run through them. Yeah. So in response to the Titus comment uh, that was thrown up on social media, someone then said, well, what about Daniel, Mm. Esther, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Moses' mum, did they miss the memo? Mm. (laughs) Seriously. And then we're like, okay, so there's just been some Bible characters thrown out. Let's like actually think about their lives, their context, what they were going in and through. Because I mean like Daniel, Babylonian exile, Mm. Would you say, Sophie, Babylonian exile, just a little bit different to like, you know, now? Just a tiny bit different. Yeah. Mm, So Babylonian exile, uh, what Emma's referring to is the people of God are living uh, (laughs) their lives in Israel. And then uh, all of a sudden the Babylonian um, nation rises up and conquers the known world. So we're talking Old Testament kind of towards the end of the Mm -hmm. Old Testament. And Daniel and a whole bunch of Israelites are taken off into exile in Babylon. And it is not a good time to the point where there's a psalm written by someone in exile in Babylon. And they say, By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept when Mm. we remembered Zion, when we Mm. remembered what life was like in Jerusalem. So they're not having a good time. And in other places in the Bible, God says to the people, like, settle down, build houses, plant vineyards, have children, like, have families in Babylon because you're going to be there a while. That's right. Um, And then just not having a good time. So what you get with Daniel is really fascinating. And I, is he a good example of someone going up against the government and rebelling and disobeying the government of his day? Not really, because he becomes a government official. Mm. He honors the government of Babylon or the the rulers of Babylon so well that he rises through the ranks. Now, there are a few times where he says no. There's one time where he says, no, I'm not going to eat meat. It goes against what I believe. And they go, okay, you eat your diet and we'll see how it goes for a few weeks. (laughs) And he actually becomes stronger than the people who eat meat. Mm. And, you know, so he does say no over some food laws and stuff. But I don't think that's the story people are referring to. What they're referring to is the fact that he gets thrown in the lion's den for not bowing down to worship idols. He refuses to bow down to the ruling authority of Babylon. Now, is that a good example of um, we shouldn't get vaccinated or there shouldn't be government uh, vaccine mandates? I don't think so Mm. because he has said yes to everything else the government has asked him to do. He just is not doing the one thing that, or the the first thing that God has said, don't have any other gods before me. Mm. And he's going, I won't bow down to an idol. So I'm not actually sure they're like for like situations and that we can directly take Daniel's story and say, that means we don't have to do what the government says. Totally. And if we go a very similar timeline, like we think about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, Mm. 
similar timeline, like same context, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and would you say that they are good examples of people standing up against the government? Again, yes and no. So yes, they stand up against the government, mm-hmm. but just like with Daniel, it's almost the same story. They get mm. thrown in the fiery furnace because they won't bow down and worship an idol Idols, or another yeah. God. Yep. And so again, yes, they're going up against the government, but no, it's not a like for like situation in terms of our current context, because they don't want to participate in idol worship. In worship, yeah, 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 mm. yeah, totally. And then, like, going on a limb here with Esther, <laughs> I think this story is so interesting, thinking about, oh, you know, Esther, great person, stood up against the government, you go for it. But she was a bit cheeky. Like, she did a lot of things that I'd be like, mm, is she a good example, Esther? What you totally. doing, girl? She's so cheeky. So she, like, gets people drunk and <laughs> all sorts of crazy things. And she never actually rebels against the king. Right. Um, she, she pleads her case. So mm. her people are being slaughtered. They're being wiped out. We would call it genocide today. And she pleads, the, she gets people drunk and then she pleads the case for her people being saved. Mm-hmm. Now the story is a little bit more complex than that, yeah. but at the end of the day, that's what we would boil it down to if we wanted to talk about, did she go up against the government? And I really do think that there is space for Christians to plead for people on their behalf who maybe aren't being heard by the government. So Mm. there's injustice in Australia, there's injustice all around the world, and there really is a need for Christians to say, this is not right, people are dying, Mm. it's not good. So in that sense, it's a good example, but it's not necessarily a good example of her going up against the government. She didn't miss the memo like the Post said. Mm, Right, and so therefore, you know, does it give us a right to stand up against the government? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. Does it give us the right? I mean... In Australia, we have freedom of speech for whatever you want to call that. So um, mm. we do have the right to say to the government, we don't want to do this. Um, but I think actually the example of Esther is we have the right to defend the poor and the weak right. and those who are being killed. Um, and that's a different conversation than do I have the right to defend myself and what I want. Absolutely. Mm. Going back to the idea of idol worship, Sophie, mm. um, what it looked like for Daniel and the boys um, <laughs> to be told, to be commanded to mm. bow down to mm. idol worship, another god. Um, what do you think today's equivalent of idolatry is? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, and it probably probably need to think about this in, in their context and then in ours. Mm-hmm. And so uh, idolatry is putting other things in the place of God. So when they say, no, I won't bow down to idols, they're saying, I'm not going to worship something other than God. I'm not going to take my lead from anyone other than from God. And so we want to ask the question like, yeah, what is the equivalent today? Mm -hmm. And particularly in relation to vaccines and vaccine mandates. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking about this a little bit for, I guess, a couple of months now, is a modern equivalent of idolatry in relation to the vaccine mandates actually freedom? Like, Ooh. are we making freedom an idol and worshipping freedom? Shivers. That's making mm. me teary. That's like <laughs> spicy stuff up in here. Is yeah. freedom the idol that we're worshipping? Mm. What makes you say that? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, one of the things that I'm seeing, uh, I guess from both sides of the argument, but probably more from people who are against the vaccine or against the vaccine mandates is that we have 
freedom. We have the right to choose mm-hmm. what happens to our bodies. For sure. And it's really strange to me because freedom has never been an Australian ideal. Mm. It's not something that Australia was founded on. Freedom is actually an American ideal. Yeah. Uh, freedom is at the core of the establishment of the United States of America. It's part of their constitution. It's not been like that for Australia. Freedom hasn't been a foundational value in the building of Australia as a nation. Yeah. And so a really good example of this um, that I heard someone else talking about was that during one of the lockdowns in Australia, we had a guy who was COVID positive, who was roaming the streets Mm, mm -hmm. and the American people and the American news who caught wind of it were saying, he has the right to do that. Don't lock him up. He has the freedom to choose to roam the streets if he is COVID positive. And then on the flip side of that, you have the Australian people saying, no, lock him up. He does not have <laughs> the right away. to give everybody COVID. And right. so there seems to be this difference between the American ideal of freedom where every individual has the right to make choices that are the best for them, whether they're good or not for the for everybody else. And Australians, at least um, in, in our culture and in our values, seem to have this idea that one person does not have Mm. the right to, I guess, affect things for everybody else. Mm. But what I'm seeing is the American idea of freedom coming over into Australia and different pockets of Australian culture. And people are saying, we have the freedom to make a decision about this, which is really interesting. Mm. Why why are Aussies running to this? Why are we just like Mm. taking on that idea? I mean, it's pretty attractive. Like it's that whole you do you thing. Right. And it is quite pervasive and it does seem really attractive to say, actually, I'm going to have full autonomy over myself. I'm Mm going to make my own decisions. Nobody else can tell me what to do. Who doesn't want that? Like who doesn't want to live in a world where my my actions don't have consequences for people where I can just simply choose to do what I want and what's best for me? Totally. Oh, it's getting juicy now. This is juice. Pure juice right now. Mm. Squeeze that orange. (laughs) (laughs) What is the difference between political freedom and biblical freedom? Because we're talking about politics here. We are. How did we get onto politics? (laughs) Well, everything. No, no, not everything needs to come back to it. What is the difference? Biblical freedom, political freedom. Yeah. So, I mean, people who study politics would probably be (laughs) horrified by my really (laughs) simplistic way of saying this, but... In my mind, what we're talking about here is the difference between political freedom, which is I have the right and the freedom to choose uh, to do things that benefit me. Mm -hmm. And occasionally we might extend that out to my family, my immediate family. Mm -hmm. Biblical freedom is like something else entirely. So normally when the Bible is talking about biblical freedom, it's talking about freedom from sin and death and darkness and that we have been saved out of something and for or into something Mm -hmm. else. And often Paul will say things like, you have been set free, but don't use your freedom for your own personal gain, for sin, Mm -hmm. use it for the good of others. And so we are talking about two very different things. The other key thing we need to think about here is the difference between our individual uh, individualist society and the Bible's collectivist society. So Mm. when the Bible was written... Mm. Even if we see the word you in the Bible, it's it's talking in the plural and Australia doesn't what? have a good... That's a shock, Sophie. Yeah, such a shock. So when you see you have been set free, mm. it's normally yous or y'all have been set free. Right. We just don't talk like that. Seriously. And so we're talking about a time where people didn't see themselves primarily as individuals. They saw themselves primarily as in community. Mm-hmm. And so your actions had direct 
consequences and implications for other people. And so biblical freedom or freedom in general in the Bible is always seen as in community, whereas the political modern freedom we've been talking about is a lot more about the individual and how my actions and uh, the consequences of that are purely my own um, and we don't impact others. And we just know that that's not the case. Like your actions, no matter what, whether it's to do with vaccines or not, your actions do have implications for other people. And if we're using biblical freedom as the basis for getting vaccinated or not, then we have to take community into consideration because the Bible is a communal document uh, and they don't Mm. think in the same individualist way that we do. Absolutely. So then what does it look like for us to use our freedom for one another? Mm. And Galatians 5 speaks really well into this. I want to read you this verse out. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly Mm. in love. And it goes on to talk about loving your neighbor as yourself. And so as we look through the gospels, look at Jesus' life, there is constantly this command to love God, love people, Mm. love your neighbor Mm. as yourself. So what does it look like for us to love our neighbor in this context of, you know, actually not just thinking about ourselves and thinking individualistically, but thinking communally. Mm. And this has been where it's been really hard Mm. because the people on both sides of this debate have actually been calling for love of neighbor. Like it would be really bad of us to say it's just the people who are vaccinated who have been saying love your neighbor and and people who aren't vaccinated haven't. They've both been calling for it. Totally. And so people who are getting vaccinated are saying things like, well, actually, in order to love your neighbor well, you need to get vaccinated so you don't pass COVID on. But on the flip side, those who uh, may be against the vaccine mandates or um, haven't been vaccinated have also been saying things like, actually, we need to end lockdowns because mm. it's not good for people's mental health totally. and well-being to be isolated. And there's a beautiful biblical uh, picture in there as well of the fact that we were made for relationship. Of and so course. people on both sides of this argument have been calling for love of neighbor. And I guess this is one of those times where we really need to wrestle with what does it look like to love our neighbor Mm -hmm. and maybe the answer is both get vaccinated and end lockdown so that people can be back in community and there's no easy answers in there Mm, absolutely Uh, but people have been debating over vaccine or ending lockdowns and really probably the answer to that is both and heaps more like don't hoard toilet paper and all of those sorts of things so actually like Loving our neighbor can look like so many different things. That's right. How can you boil it down to don't get vaccinated or love your neighbor, get vaccinated. It's just not that simple. And it's okay for it to not be that simple. Yes. Um, And this is where you'll probably get disappointed because it's like, oh, wait, wait, you don't have an answer? (laughs) Oh, yeah, crazy. (laughs) But, you know, we want to again ask, would Jesus get vaccinated? Back to this life um, and story of Jesus. How Mm. did Jesus then interact with his community? In his day, how is he engaging with the people around him? What do we see in his life? Yeah. So if we go back to that question of would Jesus get vaccinated, I said it at the beginning. I'm going to say it again. (laughs) I don't know. Now, of course, I want to say yes to that because Mm. I've been vaccinated. And those who haven't been vaccinated would probably want me to say, no, no, Jesus wouldn't have gotten vaccinated. And the danger here is that we are making Jesus in our own image. It's a really important thing for us to ask. Is scripture clear on this? 
And I think the answer is actually no. Mm. Now, there are plenty of good arguments to be made from science and medicine and public health and community engagement perspectives. But when it comes to the Bible, it seems that obeying or not obeying the government is situational Mm -hmm. and it requires discernment. Oh, totally. It is not black and white. The Bible is not black and white on this topic because the Bible is complex and it speaks complexly into our time and place. Mm, So we don't have an answer. Oh, shocker. I know. Big (laughs) surprise. But what? Uh, What we do think and have an answer about Mm. is that Jesus consistently radically surprises us in scripture by the way he responds to, and it just is with people. For sure. And so what we've seen on social media has not always been the most loving way to approach things. We've seen the the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it approach Mm. right through to the, if you don't agree with me, you're probably not a Christian, which is like the absolute (laughs) wrong way to go about things. But what surprises us about Jesus is the way that he holds and Mm. makes space for all people. That's exactly right. Mm. Like we're constantly seeing in the gospels that Jesus is sitting with people at the table. And so I think that the conclusion that we can come to is we look at the life of Jesus, we read stories and we can, we can firmly say that if this were the context Jesus was living in, Jesus would have been sitting at the table with the vaccinated yep. and the unvaccinated. Yep, totally. He sits with people he disagrees with. He sits with people who disagree with him. Mm. Um, but, the, but the thing is that it, it goes further than that. You know, Jesus doesn't just sit with people and eat with people um, that are radically different, mm. that radically disagree, but he actually takes it a step further and he says, you know what, you're accepted here. Mm. And we can sit at the same table even mm. though we are radically different. Yep. And I'm not just going to accept you, but I'm going to invite you into my life. I'm mm. going to invite you into my kingdom. Mm. He just, he just just goes next level. Yeah. Um, so it's not even just like, um, I'm just going to be contempt or um, just okay with you being my world and we'll just kind mm. of stay away from yeah. each other. He's like, no, step into this place. Yep. We're here together. That's right. And we're talking about a time in history where who you ate with defined mm. everything about you. And Seriously. so Jesus got in all kinds of trouble for eating with sinners and tax collectors because mm. the religious leaders said, well, you shouldn't be eating with them because they're not socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder, you know, in our world, like what would it look like for us to sit with people that we fundamentally disagree with or who society says we shouldn't be eating with? But on the mm. flip side, Jesus doesn't just eat with the tax collectors and sinners. He eats with the religious leaders right. as well. And exactly. so yes. somehow Jesus manages to make space for the absolute spectrum of mm-hmm. views in his day. And he'll sit at the table with them. And like you said, he says, you are accepted, but more than that, you're invited into my kingdom. Mm. And the table is a signal of who's in and who's out. And so all you need to do is look <laughs> around the table to see actually the tax collectors and the sinners are welcome in the kingdom of God. That's right. And the religious jerks uh-huh. are also accepted into Absolutely. the kingdom of God. And so then what does it look like for us? You know, nowadays, Mm. this is Jesus, son Mm. of God, also (laughs) human. We can get into that in another episode. Um, You know, he he did that. He exampled that. What Mm. does it look like for us to sit with people we disagree with? Mm. Um, And I think that's such a huge thing and the most important thing is to see the image of God on every person. Mm. That you know what, it's you know what, you bear the image of God. And mm. so I'm going to believe and know that you have dignity and I'm going to hold you to that because you're, you're born in the image of God, mm. that you have that planted and marked on you. And so because you're born in that image, so am I. Mm. And we can, we can come to a, like a settled, a settled resolution that 
you're his and I'm his Mm. and that's enough. Yeah. That's good. I think uh, as humans, we like to make exceptions for ourselves uh, ourselves and our views. And of course, I think my views are right because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're my views. And if I didn't think they were right, I wouldn't hold them. Right. But we make these exceptions for ourselves and we go, well, I'm made in the image of God and therefore I'm hearing God right on this and yeah. you're not hearing God right from this. So is the implication you're not made in the image of God? Mm. I think we just need to be really careful that we don't make exceptions for ourselves that actually we are all made in the image of God and we all bring something to the conversation. We can all bring something to the table. That's right. We do have to then wonder how do you sit with people around a table who are different than you? Like if we invited people over to have a conversation about vaccines (laughs) from the full spectrum of beliefs on this, it could get messy. Oh, would it ever? And I think that's okay because the conversation in Jesus' day also got messy. No joke. The upside for Jesus was, like you said, he was Jesus, the <laughs> son of God. He could ask really good questions. But mm. I think we need to be okay with right. the tension and mm-hmm. the mess and mm-hmm. of not coming to conclusions. Because really at the end of the day, what the the table signifies, what Jesus sitting around the table signifies is hospitality. Absolutely. And so we want to have hospitality for people and the best definition I've ever heard of hospitality. Don't think of hospitality in terms of the food industry. (laughs) Don't think of hospitality in terms of serving people food at home. Hospitality is about making space for other people Mm -hmm. to be and to become great. So we make space for people around the table to be who they are Uh with no expectations of them being a certain way. To come with what they have and their opinions that they have right now. Yes. But we also want to make space for them to grow and change and so not hold them to who they were. So we're not trying to change anyone's perspective, but we are making space for growth. And we're not saying to people, uh, I knew what you believed a year ago. And therefore that's who you're always going to be. That's who, like, that's Mm. what you're always going to believe. We want to make space for people to be and to become. And that does mean for us, maybe having some uncomfortable conversations. And to not get to conclusions, like Mm. you said, to be okay Mm. with just sitting with the mess, sitting Mm. with the tension and being like, you know what, we can wrestle with this and we can continue to wrestle with this and we don't have the answers. And that takes humility. Yes. Oh my gosh. To not just like back down and to not get stomped over like a doormat, but to be like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah. That's enough. And that, that humility piece is so key when we're having conversations with people. We want to be able to go into a conversation and to listen mm-hmm. and to not feel like we need to shut the conversation down with our right answer um, and to feel like other people can be heard. Part of that hospitality is making sure that people have a voice at the table. Mm. And so we don't want to just shut people down and say, well, we're right because Titus 3, 1 says <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to submit to the government. Right. Uh, it's so not the point. That's it. Um, yeah. So hopefully you can hear our heart for people in this. Like mm-hmm. we, we want people to be using and reading the Bible well. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is just so Everything, key. Yeah. But at the end of the day, even when we come to read the Bible well, we've still got to apply it into our world. And that's not easy. And people are going to apply mm-hmm. it in different ways. Totally. And so we want to make space for people at our table. We want to have hospitality for the other, for mm-hmm. people who think and see the world differently to Absolutely. us. Mm-hmm. I think that's just brilliant. I think that's it from us. Is it not so? <laughs> Yeah, maybe for the, maybe for today that mm. is enough from us. What question can we leave with them? Maybe the question that we could leave with you is this. What does it look like in your specific situation? So let's make it really practical. In your specific life situation, mm-hmm. what does it look like for you to sit around a table with people who are different from you, who see the world differently? Mm. And what does it look like for you in your situation to have hospitality for the other? Mm-hmm. To make room for the other. That's right. Poof. Right, the juice is 
Freshly squeezed, everyone. <laughs> Take that sip. But that is well and truly it from us for now anyway. Um, but if you found this helpful, please let us know. Like send us a message. Um, let us know if there are any other topics you'd like us to cover. If you have any mm. feedback from this uh, conversation that we've had, we'd love to know. Yep. We'd love to um, yeah, be able to read those and incorporate them for sure. But we want to encourage you, keep wrestling. It's okay to wrestle. Trust mm. Jesus. And we will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.